You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. Very serious. This is the mandatory Samson podcast coming to you live from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris Flannery. If you are watching on Daily Motion, the video, you can see that I'm sitting at the table all by my lonesome today. Uh, like I mentioned last week, uh, Andy is not going to be here for a little bit. He's going through some personal stuff, so hopefully he'll be back soon, but he is not here today. And because we're recording on a Tuesday as opposed to a Thursday, which is the normal day we record on... Joey couldn't get out of work today. So I'm sitting here, and I'm going to try to do this show, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, It might be 45 minutes. It might be five hours. So we'll see how the show goes, but I think it's going to be good. I have um, a lot of stuff from last week that we didn't get to. I added a little stuff on uh, to this episode, and we'll see how it goes. Um, The show is being produced by Evan. Evan, I really appreciate you being here, man. Thank you very much. Uh, To start the show, guys, listen, I wanted to thank everyone so much for all the love and support uh, after I posted the message last week um, in lieu of an episode. Uh, a lot of people left comments, um, and I guess if you didn't listen to the uh, the message from last week, um, I said that a, f- a very close friend of mine and Joey's uh, passed away last week, and so we had to do the wake and the funeral this weekend, which was uh, an up-and-down affair. It was uh, very sad, but it was also nice to see a lot of people that I haven't seen in a while and you know, kind of reminisce and things like that. But a, a lot of people commented on the episode that I put out last week, um, you know, with their condolences and their support. So I, I really means a lot to me. And thank you very much, guys. I, I very much appreciate it. Um, all right. So that's basically the deal. I have the soundboard here. So in case we feel like we're missing Joey, I can just play one of his clips. I look like a fucking pimp. See, like that doesn't make sense there, but you know, we'll see if we can fit it in. Um, all right. So why don't we just get on with the show here? Um, I again, I have some stuff from last week, some stuff, uh, new stuff that we can get into, and I think it's going to be really good. Oh, by the way, if you're watching on Daily Motion or whatever you guys can hear, I have a Polar Seltzer strawberry watermelon, which is a terrific summer flavor and it's very refreshing. So, Polar Seltzer, get on board. Uh, I'd love to have a sponsorship from you guys. Okay, so the first thing I wanted to get into this week, just as a wrap up to something that we dealt with uh, over the last few weeks. Um, that was kind of a, I don't want to say controversial topic, but it was something that people were interested in and I got a lot of comments on. The Confederate flag, and this is truly just a wrap-up, the South Carolina House of Representatives voted 93-27 to 27 to take the flag down from the Capitol. So the argument, the main argument about uh, the flag being up in South Carolina after the Dylan Roof um, fiasco and tragedy, the flag has come down. So... A pretty progressive move on the part of people in South Carolina, and I think it was a uh, obviously a long time coming, but I think it's the right thing to do, and uh, so I just wanted to bring that up. So that's good. That happened. Now, the next thing, and by the way, I have some good sound clips that we're going to play like later in the show. I have some stuff about Cosby. Rick Santorum said some uh, dumb things about gay marriage, and then also a, uh, a silly clip about this law that was passed in Tennessee. Uh, that's really funny. So, uh, w- you know, we can get into that a little bit later. So do stick around. I think it's going to be a pretty fun show. Um, this is something that I wanted to get into, the Greek debt crisis, which has been a 
you know, a running story for the last week or so. Here's what I prepared last week, and then I have a little bit of an update to it because, you know, obviously more stuff has happened, uh, you know, since I, I planned on recording last Thursday. The Prime Minister Alexis Cyprus vowed to have a, quote, credible plan in creditors' hands within 48 hours. That's hard to say, credible plan in their hands. Um, basically, what happened was this guy, uh, Cyprus, is part of a very radical left wing group called Syriza. And when his government took office, it was with the intention of kind of easing the austerity um, that was taking place in Greece, where they would have to limit the amount of money that people were getting for pensions and different social welfare things and, and all this stuff. Um, basically, what, it, what was happening last week and, and what kind of did happen this week is that Greece was going to take a three-year rescue loan from the IMF and from Europe. Now, basically... So far, Greece has received $266 billion in loans from other Eurozone countries and the IMF uh, because of the spending cuts and the tax increases that were part of those bailouts. Uh, it led to a 25% unemployment and a six-year recession in Greece, which um, you know is obviously a, a very difficult for people there to deal with, and it didn't seem like there was going to be any light at the end of the tunnel, especially when they had all this debt coming up that they owed and they were not going to be able to pay it because if you're, you know, a quarter of your uh, population is not working and if the entire economy is in a recession because of this stuff, you're going to have no way of paying back billions and billions of dollars. So basically, here's what I added this week. I keep saying basically a lot, right, Evan? Is this ridiculous or what? Yeah, but it's cool. Okay. Evan dropping in. Very, very solid. Um all right, so this is my add-on to it. Alexis Cyprus is now tasked with convincing, like I said, his radical left-wing uh, Syriza party to accept rigid terms of a third bailout program. To that end, part of the deal, Athens will hand over $55 billion American dollars or 50 uh, euros in private equity as collateral, which is kind of crazy. And the former Greek finance minister, Yanis Varoufakis, called it, quote, unviable and likened the deal to the Treaty of Versailles, which the Treaty of Versailles is, uh, in large part, people uh, blame it historically as uh, creating the conditions for the Second World War. So um, basically, Jesus, I can't believe it. I guess when I'm sitting here by myself, I just say basically a lot. European stock markets jumped 2% on the news that a deal had been reached and Wall Street jumped 1%. Now, I'm going to say this. I don't really understand economics too well and so if anybody listening to this wants to leave a comment or wants to send an email to mandatory samson at gmail.com and you can demonstrate to me that you kind of know what you're talking about i'll probably be inclined to uh update this next week and and you know put out there what you had to say about the thing basically the way that (laughs) what a moron i can't stop um I have a quote from Paul Krugman. Let me read Paul Krugman's quote. Uh, Paul Krugman is a, uh, you know, a, a left-wing, um, you know, famous economist. This is what he had to say about it, and then I'll just give my two cents, and then we'll move on from it. But uh, it's a big story, so I figured I had to cover it, and then we'll move on to some other stuff. Krugman says the creditors' demands on Greece, quote, went beyond harsh into pure vindictiveness, leading to the complete destruction of national sovereignty with no hope of relief. So those are pretty strong words from Paul Paul Krugman, and, and I, I tend to agree with what he has to say, because if you're going to, what happened is when Greece joined the Eurozone, they were the weakest economy. Greece essentially makes their money by having people show up in Greece and vacation there, 
And that's about it. That's where a large part of their economy comes from. So when you gang them into a single currency with a lot of other manufacturing-based economies like in Germany and the UK, they're going to be on the bottom end of the totem pole. So when things go wrong, they're the ones that are going to get hit the hardest. Now, Greece had a vote this week whether they wanted to get another bailout, basically, and stay in the European Union. 60% 60% of the population, basically everybody over uh, or everybody under 55 years old, said, no, we don't want another bailout and we'd rather pull out of the European Union and have our own uh, currency again, which in the long run is probably the right thing for them to do because they can do a whole number of uh, things with their Federal Reserve. They could do some qualitative easing and they can... Uh, lower interest rates and all this stuff where eventually they'd be able to get back on track pretty quickly. And if their banks were solvent and they were able to actually have food and kind of the general way that things are running before, they'd be able to get people to come there for tourism and things would actually probably bounce back pretty quickly. Cyprus took the no vote, which he was urging people to vote no. He took that vote and then took it to the European Union and basically is just going along what they said as though people voted for a yes vote anyway. So Uh, I think you're looking at a situation where Greece is going to owe many billions more dollars over the next, uh, you know, whatever, three to five years. And they're probably not going to be able to pay that off anyway. Um, And I I think it's likely that we're going to be back in this situation uh, pretty soon. Other than that, do I know what to say about it? No, not really. And like I said, I'm not uh, so into economics that I'd be able to really break this whole thing down. But, you know, if you have something uh, that you'd like to say about this, please get in touch with me. I'd really appreciate it. And, you know, maybe I can uh, amend what I just talked about in the future. But I I wanted to just bring that up because it's a huge story, obviously. And I think it's a pretty um, telling thing that Greece is in this situation at all because the Eurozone is just doing what is in their best interest because if Greece pulls out of the European Union. That's going to really hurt their markets. The fact that they're staying in, you can see that the stock markets jumped. And I think that's really what's at the heart of it, especially for Germany and the UK and things like that. They, they're not interested in what's best for Greece. They're interested in what's going to keep the status quo kind of going. And, you know, people in Greece, if they're getting hammered by that, that's not really their problem. They don't care where pension plans and all that stuff go as long as you can pay off the uh, the gangsters at the IMF um, who give tons of predatory uh, loans and things like that at very high interest rates to the poorest countries. And they do it in Africa and they do it in a lot of uh, uh, you know other places that just have no hope of paying that off. And then they're kind of economic slaves to uh, a much larger um, whatever global institution. So – All right, that's basically what I have to say about Greece. Uh, I think I managed to sound sort of like I knew what I was talking about there. All of that could be dead wrong, I don't know, but if you guys have something to say about it, please let me know. The next thing I wanted to get to, and this is just a quick one, I mean, it's really quick, but it's obviously something that has been covered uh, extensively and and caused a lot of uh, change and turmoil in the country. Uh, The New York City uh, Eric Garner settlement came out this week. Eric Garner's family received $5.9 million settlement for... uh, his death at the hands of a um, an incompetent police officer who choked him for no reason. The thing that's interesting about this is that the police uh, the police department paid this settlement, but they admitted no wrongdoing, which is just it's amazing. I, I don't know a situation where you could get me to pay six million dollars for not doing anything wrong, but they did not uh, admit any guilt in this whole thing. But they you know were like, well, he probably shouldn't be dead, so here's six million dollars. So. 
All right. That's just something I wanted to put out there. Um, and I guess, you know, hopefully his family can uh, get some, you know, closure if that's even possible at this point. But, you know, $6 million is pretty nice, but it's uh, certainly not enough to pay to bring somebody back to life. So that's, uh, you know, that's the important thing to pay attention to there. Okay. Now, this was something that I came across last week that I think is still relevant, and I find it very interesting. Uh, there's two things. One of them is a bit of a news story, and then one of them is this uh, sort of like a broader thing about climate change, but this is something that I wanted to get into. The Department of Justice announced last week that $18.7 billion, uh, an $18.7 billion settlement over the Gulf oil spill with the Deepwater Horizon uh, in 2010, BP paid uh, $4 billion at the time for the 87-day 4 million-plus uh, barrel spill that took place that really devastated the Gulf Coast. And, you know, we're gonna, it's going to be a, a decade before we really understand the true impact of that stuff when we run out of shrimp and they, uh, the economy collapsed there. But uh, in any event, they've paid $18.7 billion settlement, which is a record, but I think should still be significantly more. You can, and I actually wrote it down, BP made in revenue $358 billion in revenue. $358 billion. That's a $4 billion profit a year. If you really want to send the message that they can't do this and they have to take the proper precautions and and make sure that they don't destroy the entire uh, ecosystem there, you should hammer them with $100 billion and make them really feel it. Make them lay people off. Make them really pay for what they did because again once something is destroyed in the gulf it's destroyed you're not going to be able to get that back no matter how much corrects it you dump into the water and all that stuff so that's how i feel about it 18.7 billion dollars is a nice number but again that's split up amongst all the gulf states that you're talking about uh paying off all the fishermen and all the stuff and this is over the course of five years they're going to be paying this off so when you really break it down that way is it a ton of money no it's not it's it's a ton of money for me to pay be a ton of money for Evan to pay, but for BP, no, they have that money and they sh- they should have to find a way to pay a lot more than that um, to really send the message. They didn't. That's the settlement. Now, this is very interesting because it goes along with climate change just the same way that all this oil drilling uh, can screw up the uh, the environment and things like that. This is very interesting. Exxon Mobil, another obviously large oil company, knew as early as 1981 that climate change was a thing a full seven years before it became a public issue, according to an email from their own climate ex- in-house climate expert at the time. This is what happened. Considering in the early 1980s, they were considered, Exxon was considering in the ni- early 1980s, developing at a site called Natuna off the coast of Indonesia. Um, they didn't end up digging. They didn't end up drilling there because Bernstein, uh, the guy whose uh, emails came out, I, I don't know, I don't have his first name for some reason, but he cautioned that it was a carbon bomb, meaning that if they drilled there, they would release a lot of this carbon into the environment. And they, their own in-house climate uh, scientists said, if we do this, it's going to be a huge problem. We're going to release climate into the air. And so they decided not to drill there. Now, why is that significant? Well, it's significant because since then, they've spent about $30 million, and God knows how much more paying off scientists and different research and things like that. They spent $30 million on climate denial since then, but they 100% understood the relationship of carbon to destruction of the atmosphere and damage to the environment and as a cause of climate change. So 
that's really interesting, and I think it's worth, um, you know, I think that's worth putting out there to say because they've been saying for many years now. Of course, their official position is that yeah, climate change is a real thing. It's not happening to the extent or the uh, that they're not having the impact that you know scientists would argue they are. But they knew about this stuff as early as 1981, uh, which actually is longer than other um, oil companies would admit that they knew. And so I think that's a pretty interesting thing to put out there that they definitely, as, as far back as 1981, knew that this thing was happening. And you know, to be to be against it for all this time, when the you know that the the main way to stop climate change is to understand that there's a problem and then change the behavior that's causing it. They wasted many, many years uh, along the way, and that's frustrating. And I think it's important to know that that stuff is out there. Evan, how do you think this is going, buddy? It's going well. Um, I looked up on the thesaurus uh, other words than basically. Oh, great. You, what do you got there? Essentially, mostly, by and large, and generally. So there you have it. By and large, I think is what I'm going to go with. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Nice. Uh, all right, guys. Look. This is another one that we got it. We're going to get into uh, quickly. And again, these are just sort of like quick ones because then I have some clips that we're going to get into and that, that'll be nice. Um, WikiLeaks has been dumping a ton of documents recently. And this one is uh, kind of goes along with something that we were talking about um, over the last couple of weeks, I guess. The NSA spied on German chancellors for more than 10 years, targeting another 125 phone numbers of top German officials. They uh, tapped... Even the fax machine of Angela Merkel, uh, Schroeder, and Cole. I forget Cole's uh, first name. But anyway, but these are uh, German chancellors like they like the United States and the NSA was doing with uh, people in France. They were tapping their cell phones and stuff like that. We've also been doing it in Germany. The thing that's crazy about this to me, again, is that Germany, France, these are modern countries. These are countries that we're supposed to have a good relationship with. They're all in the UN. They're, they're truly modern countries that we, we have alliances with. And yet, we still feel the need that we, we have to spy on their, uh, their leaders to gain a leg up, which is frustrating because why, why aren't we developing real diplomacy? Why can't we have an actual conversation with these people? And even if we disagree, understand that, that it's in good faith. No, the NSA is spying on all these people, uh, and it's a big problem. And again, like in France, they potentially would offer uh, a symbolic asylum to Julian Assange or Edward Snowden. Who knows what is going to happen uh, in Germany and all this stuff. And those are the unintended consequences uh, of when you're doing this kind of like underhanded stuff around the world. You don't know how, at what point these countries are going to go, you know what, fuck you guys. We're going to do something that's going to hurt the United States or how they're going to retaliate by creating their own spy programs. And now you've kind of uh, franchised out the idea of spying on the, the whole world to other countries that we don't have control over and then we don't know what uh where that's gonna go so that's out there you guys can read about it if you want i think it's important that all this WikiLeaks stuff is coming out because otherwise we wouldn't know about it and these countries wouldn't know about it and they deserve to know obviously that's um a problem when the united states just spying on people that are supposedly our allies so that's out there and that's something that i wanted to bring up let's get into some other stuff here uh again i have some clips um, because I'm by myself. So I figure obviously Evan's here, but I mean, I'm just talking into this microphone and I might as well have some clips that we can kind of get into and I can pause and, and, and talk about. Um, 
Bill Cosby, this is something that I wanted to get into, and maybe it was more relevant last week, but I have a good clip of Whoopi Goldberg uh, defending Bill Cosby after some new information came out. uh, Wait, what was one of the other ones instead of basically? Oh, essentially. What what was the one I said I was going to use? By and large. Yeah, by and large, uh, sealed court documents stemming from 2005 settlement with Andrea Constant have been opened following a federal case brought by the Associated Press. This is something that we covered a couple of weeks ago, I think towards the end of the show, where I said Cosby's lawyers were trying to save him the embarrassment of these documents coming out, these depositions, which I don't know if embarrassment is the right word. Probably the uh, nightmare of this information coming out because it's basically as close to a... um, I mean, it's a confession, essentially, to everything that's been going on. And this is also something that Whoopi Goldberg uh, is upset about because Cosby's been tried in the court of public opinion, which I don't have a problem with that. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But these documents came out. Cosby in these documents says that he had seven Quaalude prescriptions. Now, why would you need seven Quaalude prescriptions? Well, if your thing is giving them to chicks and then having sex with them, you probably need uh, quite a reserve on on tap. Um, We'll play the Whoopi Goldberg thing in a minute, but let me just read this part of the deposition. They say to Cosby, you gave them to other people, referring to the Quaaludes, and he says, yes. Unambiguous, yes. The lawyer for Constant tried to elicit from Cosby whether he had given the drug to other people, knowing that to be illegal. Uh, the Cosby's lawyer O'Connor at the time intervened and said not to answer the question. So they moved on they said, when you got the Quaaludes, was it in your mind that you were going to use these Quaaludes for young women you wanted to have sex with? Cosby's unambiguous one word answer was yes. Asked whether he had given young women the drug without their knowledge. The lawyer again intervened, advising him not to answer. Yeah, no shit. Uh, because that's just, that's a hundred percent going to be a uh, a problem for him, and I think it's actually going to be a problem for him anyway in California, where there is no statute of limitations on this stuff. Um, this is really going to hurt him. I think this is a big problem for him, and good because at this, you know what? Okay, before I even get into any of that, let me play the Whoopi Goldberg clip because she kind of makes the uh, devil's advocate or argument, and then I can argue with Whoopi Goldberg even though she's not here. But this is Bill Cosby, uh, Whoopi Goldberg defending uh, Bill Cosby after the deposition came out because she's defending him a couple of times on the view once saying you know there's no proof there's no evidence we don't have any uh, of his quotes or anything then the next day this came out and she still decided i got to defend this guy so here's a Whoopi goldberg clip it's like two minutes i might interrupt her but let's see what Whoopi goldberg has to say about uh old bill cosby you know uh yesterday we talked about cosby and i said what i've always said innocence or proven guilty in the United States of America because that's our law. Uh, so people have been coming after me saying they're going to snatch my family. They're going to come. Yeah. And it's like being Frankenstein. People coming after you with the fire and they're going to burn you. Well, here's the deal. I'm going to say this. I do like Whoopi Goldberg a lot, by the way, regardless of how she feels about this thing, which I think she's she makes a valid point, but it's not I don't think applicable to this Cosby situation at this point anymore. Uh, but I like Whoopi Goldberg. So whoop. Please, tell the people how you feel. This is the view, and that was my opinion, and not any of you threatening me or telling me you're coming after because you don't like what I said is going to change the fact that no one has convicted him, he has not been arrested, and the bottom line is that's the law, innocent until proven guilty. And if you're the mother of a son, if you're the mother of a son, 
who gets accused, you want to keep innocent until proven guilty. Just ask, just wait, 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 wait. Just ask the parents of the boys of the Duke lacrosse team. Remember that? We raked them across the, the coals, burned them at the stake, took away every opportunity they had of school, they were done. And it turns out it wasn't true. So I think we all, and UVA, same thing, we all have a very important role to play when it comes to abuse and rape. We all have to demand that if it's true, the person is taken to the nth degree of the world and punished. No one here thinks rape is good. No one here thinks rapists are fun. Nobody here thinks rape or hates women or any of that. So don't come after me like that because I'm sick of this bull. Here's the bottom line for me. It's my opinion. And the American courts agree with me because still he has not been taken to jail or tried or on anything. So back off me. <laughs> I love Whoa, whoopee. Okay, you're getting really upset there. Look, I here's a couple of points that she made that I agree with. She's right that uh rape is a it's a it's a difficult thing to to prove a rape, but if you can get to a point where you can prove it, yeah, those people should be taken to task. I'm of the mind that if you commit any kind of violent crime like that, especially a rape, murder, you're in jail forever. There's no reason to let you out. You're an animal and there's no reason that we need you out here nonviolent people, nonviolent uh, drug offenses, whatever. I don't think you should be in jail at all. But if you commit a rape, 100%. The other aspect that she brought up that I find interesting and I think is true is that if you're accused of rape, yeah, you should have every uh, every bit of due process to try to defend yourself or right to trial, and I think that's fair. What I don't like about this is that she's ignoring the fact that this is a this is a real deposition. This is the thing where he is under oath, He's not lying. He's saying yes, just yes to these to these questions. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe settlements out of court or out of a public trial is the problem. If you're really innocent, there's no reason. And I mean, I get, look, I understand this argument, too, where it's like Cosby's a target because he's got a ton of money. And, you know, it's very easy to accuse somebody of something. It's very difficult to prove you didn't do it because if you didn't do it, there isn't any it's it's hard to to defend yourself. I get that. However, if you're Bill Cosby and you're in that position and women are coming out and accusing you of of horrible things, wouldn't you want it to be the type of thing where you're the facts are borne out and that people can see that stuff? When you're settling, to me, it seems like you're you're in a way admitting guilt because you know that if it came out publicly, you wouldn't be able to save face. And in this case, he didn't think that this shit was going to come out now. Uh, so he just was like, here, I'll give her some money and she can't talk about it. I guarantee that was part of the settlement uh, uh, for X number of years or whatever it is. And that's, that's where it goes. So I kind of, I agree with Whoopi Goldberg about, you know, obviously you want to have a right to a trial, Court of public opinion is a different thing. You are not uh, free from that. If you are a public figure and people are going to talk about you and the things that you may or may not have done, which to me, it's 100% Cosby goddamn did at least this. And who knows how many more? There's hundreds of uh, you know f- allegations against this guy at this point. Um, the court of public opinion is a totally different thing. And we subject everybody to it. And maybe it's not right. Maybe it is. But... 
he's not immune to it. And certainly when information like this comes out, I think in my mind, it's okay to say, yeah, look, Bill, he's never been convicted guilty. However, when asked if he gave chicks quaaludes with the intention of having sex with them, he says yes, and he had all these quaalude prescriptions, and there's tons of women coming out. We're, you're being naive if you think that n- nothing happened there, that this guy is just uh, unfortunately being accused of this stuff. That's nonsense. So I, I disagree with her from that point of view. As far as the Duke lacrosse allegation, she's right about that. Um, and, and it's hard to go back because I'm sure there's a lot of people that still think that those Duke lacrosse players rape people. Like they, 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 they don't pay attention. Look at this thing with the Jared uh, from Subway. He might not have done anything with child porn, but goddamn, is he going to be a joke for the rest of his life? Everybody's going to make that joke from now on that Subway's for child molesters or whatever it is. That's a fascinating one, by the way. The Jared from Subway thing. I don't know what happened there. But his business manager apparently had like a pretty decent sized porn ring and they took jared's computers that's a bad day man when they show up and grab your computers like oof you better hope to god you don't even have an off-color joke about children or anything on that computer just nothing creepy those creepy pictures where kids sit by a watering can and some flowers and they're like hugging that's creepy if you have that you're screwed what if he just has that of his kids like that he got taken out of a studio and he has it as as his background he's in trouble uh anyway point being don't molest children. That's not a good idea. Uh, Cosby, I think he's guilty. Um, just th- there's there's a preponderance of evidence that this guy has been up to no good, and it's staggering that he was able to get away with this for so many years and that he's that much of a psycho. This guy's a total psychopath because he's undeniably successful. He's very well-liked uh, still amongst a large population of people, and you know he's just been around for so many years doing this shit behind the scenes it's very very creepy but i I gotta tell you it's pretty obvious when this guy admits that he's uh got quaaludes and shit he did something whoopi goldberg might disagree but that's the case here's what i want to move on to uh guys i'd like feedback on this by the way before i get on to the next topic i mean look i it's not ideal for me to be doing the show alone i feel like i'm doing an all right job with it um god i want you joey that's so sweet. Uh, it's not ideal for me to be doing the show on my own, but you know, hopefully Joe will be back next week and hopefully Andy will be back uh, soon enough. Um, let me know what you guys think about the show. I didn't want to not put out an episode uh, after last week. It was good. I wanted to get here and do this. So that's the deal. Also, if you're watching on daily motion, you can go to dailymotion.com slash stand up New York labs. You can check out full episodes of this podcast and all the other podcasts we do and you can also go there to dailymotion.com and type in labs live in the little search bar and you can watch the show when we record uh 99 of the time we're recording at four o'clock on a thursday uh i just happen to be recording on a tuesday today if you guys are watching on daily motion you can see i'm wearing a tuesdays with stories t-shirt uh which is very very comfortable and uh it's one of our best podcasts with joe list and mark norman uh those two are absolutely hilarious you guys should definitely um take some time out to check that show and I actually have a couple of little mark norman sound effects these are very uh classic mark norman sounds let me see if i can play one for you guys ah yeah ah this is also another one of his favorite uh things that he does uh-huh okay so that's mark norman in case you guys didn't know that you guys should check out tuesdays with stories all right let me move on to this this is not uh is this the most important thing i'm going to talk about no but i really like this sound clip uh this uh video clip that i'm going to play and it would have been nice because i think joey and andy would have had something to say about this and evan you know if you want to jump in at some point that's fine uh this is rick santorum who is a uh, republican presidential candidate and an absolute goon uh talking about gay marriage the gay marriage ruling that came down uh i guess two weeks ago at this point 
he's upset about it. He's a very uh, religious gentleman. And on that note, let me say this. A lot of people left comments last week about, uh, you know, leaving condolences saying they were praying for me. I appreciate it. I, I don't, I don't have a problem with you having a personal faith. That's fine. The problem is when it crosses over into government and politics and this guy's trying to impose his religious beliefs on people that don't necessarily believe it. Um, that's where the problem is. But I, I have no problem with you having a personal faith and I'll take all the prayers you got. If you want to say a rosary for me, I could use it. That's good. I take the good vibes. Uh, let me play a clip of Rick Santorum talking about gay marriage. It's a little longer. I'll probably stop it at some points and I can uh, interject my, uh, my opinion on this stuff. But this is Rick Santorum uh, being interviewed about gay marriage in which he says will have profound consequences worldwide. The Supreme Court's ruling on same-sex marriage, some of your competitors in the Republican race have said, well, the issue has been decided and the country needs to move on. You have taken a different position. You've said, no, there needs to be a conversation and you're trying to lead that conversation. Of course he's trying to lead that conversation because if gay marriage goes away, what the hell is this dummy going to talk about for the rest of his life? He has no other, like, he has no other firm belief other than, you know, God hates uh, anal sex. Like, why don't you shut your mouth? You said that the ruling potentially, quote, disrupts the foundation of the world. (laughs) Yes, the world is certainly at risk because a couple of gay people who are already together doing their gay stuff together can just legally uh, visit each other's bedsides when they're uh, when they're dying. That's really what's what it's about. Like you're just stopping people who already have loving relationships uh and guess what, Rick Santorum? They have sex with each other, and, and they're, ooh, they're violating the Bible. These people are already in good relationships the same way that heterosexual people are in relationships. And all you're doing is keeping them from having the uh, obvious right to be there at the side of a loved one in a, an emergency time, in a time where, you know, somebody dies or whatever it is. They just have the rights. And yeah, you know what? Maybe they get health care. That's fine because one of their their husband or their wife – Uh, has insurance and they get it i don't have a problem with that and as a religious person which is what's frustrating about the whole thing rick santorum is supposed to be uh very religious i guess he's christian and not catholic but it doesn't matter you're following the idea uh if you just listen to what jesus had to say do you really think that jesus would would want to deny people the ability to be happy and in a loving relationship and also deny people the right to have health care or whatever to be taken care of no that was sort of the guy's whole thing where it was like treat others the way you'd want to be treated so let, let's let Rick Santorum uh, gather enough rope to hang himself, and then we'll talk about what he has to say. What does that mean? Well, I, I, I said three things. Number one, that uh, there's, a, there's a real question here about the role of the courts in our society. Justice Scalia, I think, said it best. He says <laughs> when, the, uh, when uh, we subordinate the, uh, the rights of the people to nine unelected judges, uh, we, we can no longer be called a democracy. And- uh, here we go with this fucking dumb Trump. Sorry to stop it. Uh, this is a trope that we've heard from Ted Cruz, too. They're all just going to be, it's all in the friggin' right-wing echo chamber where they're going to talk about how now all of a sudden, because one case goes against, uh, you know, what they want, the Supreme Court is invalid, unelected. Who appointed them? Bush appointed them. Reagan appointed them. Like, it's a mix of conservative and Republican on that, on that, uh, on that court. And in most cases, it's just the swing vote, Anthony Kennedy, who's a Reagan appointee. So to, th- this shit just drives me bananas where they come out and they're talking about how the, oh, the Supreme Court is on a leg, blah, blah, blah. But you didn't have a problem with that uh, 
until now, until gay people can get married. It's such a nonsense thing. And if you read Scalia's stupid dissent, it's six pages. It's just, it's like, uh, it's frightening that somebody with such a childlike mentality is uh, on the highest court in the land. And what the court did here, as Justice Roberts said, was unconstitutional. There's no constitutional basis for what they did. They simply just acted out of, uh, as one said, a whim. Uh, That's not how a democracy functions. That's not how a republic functions. So you've got a basic question. Are we going to stand up to the court in doing something that's really outside of their bounds? Number two, there's an assault on religious liberty here. Uh, the, The court basically said, no, churches, you're allowed to teach what you want. But it really didn't say you're allowed to practice what you want. All right, let me take that point. First of all, when we talk about freedom of religion in this country, you have the freedom to be whatever religion you want. You can practice that openly. You shouldn't feel fear or shame about that. Great. I I don't argue with that. Freedom of religion also respects the idea that if you don't have a religion, you don't have to be imposed upon by anybody else and and vice versa. So if I I don't have a personal faith or something that I'm uh, really involved in, then and you do... You can practice it, and I cannot practice whatever I don't want to practice. But we should not be able to impinge on each other or infringe each other's rights to to believe or not believe what we want. So when he's saying this, and this is something I actually do agree with, churches, honestly, should not in any way be forced to perform gay marriages, period. That's their thing. That's where they practice the religion. That's where they teach. And you shouldn't have to do it. You can if you want to, and I think that gay, but but then to say that the church can teach you gay people can't get married, and then they want to stop gay marriage from happening anywhere else in the country, that's where you're crossing the line. But to an extent, or not to an extent, completely, I agree with Rick Santorum, the church shouldn't be forced to do anything in a church. It's a different story maybe if you're Catholic and you're working at a Walgreens and you decide you're not going to fill birth control for people. No, now you're in the uh, you're in the public sphere here. You're not protected from doing your job. If you want to quit, go for it. It's a different story again if it's like a Catholic um, – No, I don't know. I I don't even think it's a different story if you're a Catholic uh, hospital or whatever it is, like Hobby Lobby. That was the thing that came out where their religion or that gay that pizza place that didn't want to cater gay marriages. It's like, I guess you're a private business, but that's that's you're violating people's civil rights. That's like saying, well, look, I own the Dairy Queen. And if I don't want black people to be able to eat from this window, they have to go behind the back and use a different fountain. We wouldn't accept that. It's the same idea. You can't just decide because. Oh, it personally affects me. I, you know, I can't, uh, I can't serve those people. That's ridiculous. Anyway, Goofy Rick, please continue. And this is again a, a huge infringement on on the foundational right that we have, which is the First Amendment. And then third, and this is to the point you make. What is he talking about? Freedom of speech. The fact is the First Amendment. You can say what nobody's saying. You can't say anything. How does this impinge on that? You can come out all day and say that you don't like gay marriage and you hate gay people or whatever you want to do. You you can say that, but you, people are just going to react the way they want to with their freedom of speech and probably uh, call you a, a dumb dummy. That it's a, it really is a further erosion of this founding uh, foundational. Uh, uh, 
building block of society, which is the nuclear family. And, and this goes further. I mean, over the last 40 years, we've seen a, de- a degradation of the nuclear family, no doubt about it. Uh, but this further, I say, put the nail in the, in the coffin that we now disconnect the nuclear family from the idea that it's there for the purpose of having and raising children. Marriage is no longer about kids. It's simply about adults. And I think that now that the United States is, a, is still the moral leader of the world, that we've now disconnected marriage from children. This guy lives in like a, like a 1940s uh, like fantasy land. Marriage is always about adults. What, what do you mean? It's not about having kids because you don't like he's this guy is just a class a rule follower that's that's what he is and he wants everybody to follow the little like rules that he has um yeah ideally i guess or maybe not even ideally but the way that we've kind of always done it is where yeah people get married then they start a family and blah 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 but guess what biologically married unmarried whatever you can have kids you you can get somebody pregnant you can have a kid it doesn't make a difference whether uh you're involved in a marriage or not now i would argue yeah it probably is better to have a a a good home life to raise uh you know healthy people or whatever it is but people can people can make it in a lot of different circumstances And this guy's trying to again impose a religious argument um when i don't think he needs to if he really wanted to make the argument, he sh- he he's he's going against his own point because there's a lot of gay uh, couples that adopt children or whatever. They have a surrogate, and guess what? Those kids are probably growing up exactly the same, maybe even better in some cases because gay people had to really fight to be in these relationships, whereas uh, you know straight couples can just get married on a whim, get divorced, whatever it is. It's going to be interesting. I think Andy brought it up a couple of weeks ago. It'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with the divorce rate amongst uh, gay couples, but we'll see what happens. But anyway, Rick Santorum, uh, yeah, I might stop him in a minute, but let's see what else he has to say here. I think that has profound consequences, not just for America, but for the world. Can I talk about those consequences a little bit? In your, in your remarks, you said that- sure. The children need a mother and a father to have a stable, healthy home, you said, and also that they need a, uh, heterosexual parents will love uh, those children and raise them to be good citizens of America. Can same-sex couples not raise children to achieve those same things? Good question. I think what we have to do is, as a society, orient ourselves toward what's best. What we know what's best from thousands of years in human history is for children to be raised with mothers and fathers, preferably, but not always, but preferably with their biological mothers and fathers. But certainly adoptive homes are great and wonderful places, too. But it- Which is a crazy thing to say because a lot of people that get adopted or whatever, uh, they, they have a, a rough time. That, those, are, those, are, those are fucked up stories to read. People that are in like uh, orphanages or whatever and they go to, from like foster home to foster home, a lot of people get abused. And there's a lot of sick people that, that just like collect kids and do fucked up shit to them. So Rick Santorum, once again, uh, Fantasyland. But if if we're going to try to aim for the best, then we have to have laws that orient society to what's best. And when we have laws that say fathers, really, you don't have to you don't have to raise your children. Mothers, you know, uh, you know, we're going to we're going to provide all sorts of uh, all sorts of things that make fathers less less uh, less necessary, if you will. Who's doing that? What Evan, do you even know what the fuck he's talking about here? Are we saying like we're orienting society to uh, say that fathers don't have to be around and mothers don't need the like. I don't know what his point is here where he's talking about how uh, society's like heading down a bad road. It just doesn't make it just doesn't make sense. Like, in what way are we doing that? I agree with you. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You weren't listening. 
if you have laws that say, you know, marriage isn't about children, now for the first time in the history of our country, a majority of children born out of wedlock, which is about 40 to 45 percent of children in America today, are born in homes that the father is still living. That's the, they're seeing a, a huge increase in this. Why? Because we have now said marriage isn't, about, I mean, children, having children has nothing to do with marriage, so people aren't getting married. That's not a good situation to maximize the potential for each and every one of our children. And that, that's really what, what I'm talking about here, is setting up policies that, that orient ourselves toward the best end, which is a healthy, stable family for children. But quickly, which is better for families uh, or which is more of a challenge to families, divorce and adultery and out of wedlock births or same sex marriage, which is worse if you had to spend your time prioritizing on one of the two? Yeah. Yeah, I, as, you, as you know, John, I've been oriented on that, for, I mean, focused on that for a long time. I wrote a book 10 years ago called It Takes a Family and uh, didn't talk very much about gay marriage back then. It wasn't as big of a topic. I talked a lot about the breakdown of the, of the institution of marriage, uh, the role that fathers need to play. Uh, that, you know, 96% of Americans are in those types of traditional homes. Uh, that is the bigger problem. And so I would agree with you in that, that, uh, that we really need to focus a lot more time and energy on re-knitting the American family, the uh, uh, and, and allowing children to have the best opportunity to succeed. All right. Thank you, Rick. Sorry, sorry. I, I want to make this point, and this is just a joke. Like, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but there, there, there is nothing gayer than a dude who just talks about marriage all the time. Like, what guy do you know other than a gay man who's trying to get married to another gay man is, like, just amped about talking about weddings all the time and marriage? This guy just, like, absolutely loves it. Did that? Jo- I don't know. Did that joke hit? There's no way to know because... No, I'm just sitting here at the table. I'll buy my lonesome, but whatever. You guys let me know. Did you like that? I thought it was funny. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate that. Um, all right. Where are we? We're about 45 minutes in. Uh, perfect. I have a couple of um, just quick things that I'm gonna, we're going to get to. Uh, I Also, at the end, if I have a second, I'll just touch on it. I was going to talk last week about UFC 189, uh, which was I was extremely excited about. It was something that was nice on Saturday night after uh, – you know, obviously after a rough weekend, it was something that I was really looking forward to and, you know, kind of took my mind off things. It was very, very exciting. It was a fight between, supposed to be between Jose Aldo, who's a uh, featherweight fighter, who's one of the best fighters in the world, versus Conor McGregor, who is a very up-and-coming, um, you know, brash, uh, skillful, trash-talking fighter. And that was supposed to happen. Aldo got hurt. They replaced him with this guy, Chad Mendez. And that fight went down on Saturday. I was going to preview it. I might just talk about it a little bit at the end of the show. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes. This is something that I found really interesting. This is just quick. This would have been more of something that I could have gotten into if the other guys were here. But uh, this is something called Giga Mansions. Uh, Beverly Hills and Bel Air, quote, Giga Mansions have upset wealthy residents like Jennifer Aniston, who owns an 8,500 square foot, $21 million, just a regular mansion. Basically, these Giga Mansions are like, 90,000 square foot uh, estates and uh, 30 to 40 percent of these giga mansion buyers are foreign. So like I guess people that are from uh, oil rich countries or wherever. I don't know. I'm just guessing that. But uh, anyway, I just uh, this is something again that we could have gotten into more if the guys were here. But I just thought this was funny that Jennifer Aniston, who owns a 20 million dollar house and is super famous and has a husband that's uh, really rich. She's pissed now because these people are like ruining her view because they're building houses that are like five times or, you know, as big as our house. Uh, whatever. That was just something I wanted to bring up. We could have talked about it more, but it is what it is. Here's something. Uh, let me actually see what else I have. Oh, yeah. 
Evan, you in a minute, I'm, I'm going to make you pay attention. This Google chatbot thing, have you heard about this? No, but I'm interested. It's very interesting. Google is creating this uh, this project to try to come up with artificial intelligence that's like more human in the way it communicates. And they asked it a few questions, and uh, we can maybe go through some of the answers. So, But th- that's in a few minutes. I'll get to that. It's really interesting. Uh, Tennessee passed this good Samaritan law uh, that went into effect on July 1st. Anyone in Tennessee... Who, bra- uh, who breaks into a car to save an animal will be free of civil liability. So if you see a car in a, you know, a hot day and the, you know, this dog looks like it might die or something, you can just kick the window in or break it and you're free of any uh, kind of liability, which I think is hilarious because do you know how many car windows are just going to get smashed uh, for no reason? These dogs are going to be fine and people are just going to be kicking in windshields. Uh, I also have a really good clip now again is this uh the newsiest thing we're going to talk about no but i really like this clip because it's it's a news report uh from tennessee of a woman they they caught a woman doing it and then she's like chastising the guy whose car it is and it's just kind of funny also notice the way that the reporter talks pretty annoying uh let's listen to this clip real quick and then we can move on to the next thing i'm just trying to entertain you guys here we go Boiling hot. Do you know what it's like sitting in a car at 140 degrees? What's wrong with you? Are you seriously that big of an idiot? You don't deserve these dogs. Susan had choice words for this man after two four-legged friends in the backseat of this car. Windows tinted and cracked on Adams near first. Windows tinted and cracked on Adams. I don't like the way that woman talks at all. How aggravating. Did you find her annoying? Yeah, definitely. Agreed. God damn it, Evan. Avenue for what witnesses say has been an hour. Come on. Susan decides it's too much. It's not fair to them. What if they die? Then we watched it? We won't do that. She dials the number on the dog. I love I love that one. Like, huh. So I was talking to myself. I'm kind of a crazy person. I roam around looking for chihuahuas and cars and I saved them because I'm a psycho. She, first of all, by the way, I'm an animal lover. I, I think it's fine. I don't have a problem. You shouldn't leave your dog in a goddamn car if it's too hot. But this woman just seems like a real loon just walking around and like, she's wearing like a nice outfit and she's just walking around yelling at people about their dogs and cars. Were you going to say something there or no? Yeah. Does this law already exist for like children in the backseat? Uh, I don't know if there's a law in place, but I would assume that if you see a like a baby or something in like a hot car, yeah, you could probably. So she's not like passing a bunch of babies in cars to get the one with the dogs. No, that's the thing. That's a, that's always the interesting thing. Again, I love animals. I love dogs. I think they should be taken care of. We shouldn't abuse them. Whatever. But right. It's always people like this woman are always focused on the animal. And if there was a baby in a car, she would be like, whatever, not my problem. But like the dog is what she's focusing on. That's yeah. That's always the case with people that are like rabid animal uh, activists or whatever. All right. Let's just let's finish up with this and then we can move on. Callers, please get back to your car as soon as possible and never do that again. Then call police who witnesses (laughs) say have showed up already. A department spokesperson said an officer makes a call on the scene to take action if the pet appears to be in distress. In this case, witnesses said the arriving officer said they would circle back. Maricopa Animal Care and Control says though they never condone this. They can get hurt very, very fast. Rodrigo Silva said legally. It's better to listen to the law enforcement and, and trust their best judgment. A dog owner herself. You are full of crap. No. You are seriously an awful human being. Susan thinks her judgment was right. The dog owner argues his was too. Right here on the seat and their bowl right between theirs when they sit. Pressed more to see the bowl. Oh, he threw the water bowl at the cameraman. What a son of a bitch this guy is. Uh, all right. Anyway, that that's I just like the way that that woman like handled the whole thing. And that guy 
guess what is probably a dick and probably you know is not treating those dogs great but look that woman is uh she's off a rocker a little bit too i think it's fair to say okay let's just move on uh we'll wrap up in a second but this this google chatbot thing i'm sure uh joey noe would have absolutely loved talking about this i feel his growing erection against my thigh no nobody i mean nobody asked you that but okay uh i think he definitely would have liked this story but we're going to cover it anyway because i find it interesting and full disclosure i found out about this on a joe rogan uh experience podcast he was talking to duncan trussell which are some of the best uh episodes of that podcast of all time go check that out um it's really fun to listen to also oh by the way this is a little off topic Check out the recent uh, Joe Rogan podcast episode where he um, he talked to Michael A. Woods Jr. I think we talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He was a uh, he's a retired now Baltimore police officer, but he's a young guy. He just got hurt and he couldn't uh, be on the force anymore. And he tweeted a bunch of stuff like some of the fucked up shit that he saw on the force. He had a long interview with Joe Rogan where he was explaining um kind of how he thinks he could change uh, the culture around police and you know why the system is corrupt and it's very it's a very frank discussion uh and it's very cool how honest this guy was about it and that was in the last couple of days you can check it out uh anyway all right so this is the google chatbot thing um which i really enjoy oriel vignal and quoke lay at google have been developing ai that can hold a conversation in a natural way uh, it teaches itself, it's so scary, teaches itself by analyzing movie subtitles and IT help desk scripts. So they punch in a bunch of this stuff and this thing is just sort of teaching itself as people ask it questions. And I have some of the questions they asked it. Oh, excuse me, that polar seltzer. Uh, they asked some of the questions and then these are some of the responses it gives. And then I'm going to ask you, Evan, a question and I'll see how you feel about this. But let me ask, let me, let me read some of these things that they asked. The human says, it's human machine, human machine. So the human says, what is the purpose of life? And the machine says, to serve the greater good. Okay, that's very good. What is the purpose of living? To live forever. That's a creepy response uh, from a machine, but I, that makes sense, I guess. If you're an intelligent machine, you're going to live forever. Okay. What is the purpose of existence? This one creeps me out. What is the purpose of existence? To find out what happens when we get to the planet Earth. Who? Who, robot? Who's coming? You tell us now, Google chatbot. Who is on its way to Earth? What do you think about that, Evan? Is that creepy or what? Yeah, it's ridiculous. What's it saying? What does it have, like, a fleet of other computers that are on a different dimension coming here? Well, I'm curious to see what films they're, like, referencing when they come up with those answers. Right, yeah, exactly. It's probably just, like, Star Wars or something, so it just thinks that it, it floats around in space. It, this, it, see, but the answers are very strange. This is the question I'm going to ask you in a second. It, it says, where are you now? And it says, I'm in the middle of nowhere. It's creepy as fuck. Uh, what is the purpose of dying to have a life? Now, that one just doesn't make sense as an answer. What is the purpose of being intelligent? It says, to find out what it is. To find out what, what is, what is it asking? Evan, let me ask you this. You think it's possible that, because this is something that I think about all the time with artificial intelligence. Do you think if the machines became sentient, they would try to trick us into thinking that they weren't sentient just so they could gather more information about us and then slowly kill us? Yeah, it's like the rope-a-dope. It's the rope-a-dope. That's exactly right. We think it's like, oh, cute machine. We unplugged it. Meanwhile, it's just like, no, dummy, I'm still here. Uh, What is the purpose of emotions? It says, I don't know. That's terrifying. What is moral? What empowered humanity? What intellectual the essence is? That's just a gobbledygook answer. I don't think I knew what I was talking about there. Uh, This one I really like, and Rick Santorum's going to flip a shit. It says, what is immoral? And it says, the fact that you have a child. 
which is kind of funny, I guess, because that's sort of the thing that people speculate that artificial intelligence might do if it becomes sentient. It would realize that we're the thing that's ruining the planet. So the more kids you have and the more people you put on the planet, we're going to destroy it more. So that might that's a logical conclusion that these uh, machines might come up with. So I found that answer uh, pretty fascinating. It also says, they asked, and I'll just, I'll we'll be done in a second. It says, what is the definition of altruism? And it says, if you don't believe in God, then you don't know. Well, Rick Santorum might get on board with that. That's kind of weird. It's a weird thing for a robot to talk about. But again, like you said, yeah, they're programming in different movie subtitles and stuff. So who knows where it's getting that from? Uh, let's see. It says, what is the, oh, there's two more. Perfect. What is the definition of morality? It says, well, the truth is you're not a believer in God almighty. This thing's getting creepy. We always assume that they'd be sort of like these atheists, kind of like uh, clear-headed machines. But one of the questions that I was going to ask you, what would happen? What would happen if you put in, uh, if you made it learn from the Bible or you made it learn from uh, Hitler's writings or whatever? You could really create a fucked up race of computers that could would have crazy ideas about things, right? For sure. Um, yeah, I'm thinking Bible would be better. Bible would probably be better than Mein Kampf. Yeah, I would think so. But uh, it also might think eye for an eye and all this shit. So who the hell knows what it's doing? Then they asked it, uh, what is the definition of morality? Uh, I am quite upset now. The guy says to him, and he goes, I'm not ashamed of being a philosopher, which is kind of a weird, smart-assy answer from the computer. Uh, Anyway, this would have been good. Again, this would have been something that uh, Joey, I think, for sure, um, you know, would have really enjoyed. God, I want you. All right. You said that before. Holy fuck. This is wrong. It is wrong. I don't know why you're saying this in front of everybody. We can talk privately. Um, anyway, all right, guys, look. So whatever. I don't know how this episode went. I feel like it went okay. I feel like I got through the stuff. I think it was uh, – some some of it was interesting. Uh, all I was going to say about the UFC 189 thing, uh, Conor McGregor versus Chad Mendes, it was phenomenal. I mean that card was one of the greatest uh, events in the history of the sport. Uh, the fight Robbie Lawler versus um, – Rory McDonald for the welterweight title, which was the co-main event. That was unbelievable. It's one of the best fights I've ever seen. Uh, both just knocked out, drag out fight. Rory McDonald broke his foot, fractured his nose. It was just a crazy, crazy fight. Uh, and then the Conor McGregor, uh, Chad Mendes thing was just an absolute spectacle that I really enjoyed watching. Uh, interestingly, Conor McGregor, who, if you don't know, go watch some YouTube clips or whatever, watch some of his fights. He tried to bet the guy that owns the UFC $3.5 million that he would knock out his opponent in the second round, and he goddamn did. He didn't actually get the bet because the guy that owns the UFC, Dana White, didn't uh, take the bet, but son of a bitch, he called that he was going to knock the guy out in the second round, and he did. Woo! That shit was fantastic. I love MMA, and you guys should check it out because then we could talk about it uh, in the comment section, but or you can email me or whatever. But okay. Listen, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Um, I don't know if it was rambly or whatever. I got to listen to it later. Uh, I think it was okay. Evan, you, you think it was all right, right? Yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. It was great. You Thanks. have a lovely voice. Oh, wow. You know what? I think you might have just earned yourself a spot at the table, buddy. Uh, thank you, Evan. I appreciate it, dude, and I appreciate you uh, producing the show. I'm going to end this show with a song called The Sun is Shining Down by a guy named J.J. Gray. It's a song that was uh, in the season three finale of the program house of cards which i love that show uh and i love this song and you know after everything with my friend uh you know i've just been sort of like uh i don't know whatever it's like uh, you know i oscillate from being in a good mood and you know and then i you know i can drift into thinking about him a little bit and it bums me out a little so this song is just a cool song that i've been listening to a lot and it kind of um 
I don't know, fits the uh, f- fits the fits the vibe, fits my attitude this week. So I'm going to end the show with that, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. And that's about it. You can go to SoundCloud.com slash Mandatory Samson, and you can listen to this episode of the podcast. Leave a comment on the uh, the episode itself uh, where you want to leave a comment. You can drop it in there, and I'll talk to you guys uh, there. Uh, you can also listen to all the other episodes of the show that we've done. Uh, you can go to, like I mentioned, go to dailymotion.com slash standup New York labs. You can listen to or watch full episodes of this podcast and all the other shows that we produce on this network. And you can also watch the show live on Thursdays at four o'clock. Email me mandatory Samson at gmail.com. You can get in touch with me on Twitter. It's at man Samp. I'm also on Snapchat at man Samp, Instagram at man Samp, all that stuff. Uh, I don't really use snapchat or instagram too much but i do like seeing people snapchat stories because i get to live uh, vicariously through your uh, your happy lives uh anyways thank you very much for listening we will be recording at our regular uh time next thursday uh, so i apologize any stories that i'm gonna miss uh the, for the rest of this week but just deal with it okay we'll be back next thursday and we'll be better than ever so please enjoy the sun is shining down by jj gray and uh thank you once again for everybody that left comments uh last week i love you guys and we will talk to you very soon <laughs>